Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. I'm Rachel Moss, the host, and this is my co-host, Mike Heitman. You can learn more about our podcast at www.patreon.com slash Opera Unbound. Welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to talk about the glamorous life of a traveling opera singer. Many people believe that opera singers lead quite glamorous lives filled with lavish travel, food, and special treatment. This may have been true during the golden age of opera in the mid-19th and 20th centuries, but that's not really how we live our lives now. Of course, there are going to be the few top percentage of opera singers who are making quite good money, but by and large, we're leading pretty normal lives. time has changed and people's tastes have changed. Opera has left being the most popular form of entertainment in the early 1900s. Opera singers were supported by wealthy patrons until film and other musical styles became the most popular forms of entertainment. Some of the most popular opera singers, somebody like Pavarotti, he was said to have had a a fortune of around $325 million when he passed away in the early 2000s. And Maria Callas um, had accumulated about $8 million in fortune before her uh, death in 1977. Of course, she probably spent a large portion of her money, too. If you account for inflation, that amount would be nearly $37 million today. Not a single opera singer today comes really close to that amount. The closest opera singer currently comes close to that net worth is Renee Flemings, who net worth is estimated between 12 and 16 million. The top opera singers in the world today are able to scoop in between anywhere from 200,000 to over a million dollars in income a year. But your average singer is really only making between 40 and 60k when performing consistently. And I say performing consistently because obviously the pandemic threw a wrench in everybody's plan, but even then, it has become increasingly harder to have a career based on just performing alone. And we're going to break down just how this income is made. There's a great online blog called The Middle Class Artist and Zach Finkelstein, who is the main writer of the blog, has done a great job of compiling data about singers working at a regional level, traveling singers, and just how much they make. And I'm going to touch on a couple of his articles that go into detail about the realities of a working opera singer's life. Well, why did the assumptions that that people make about opera singers and that we get royal treatment are pretty far from the truth? Singers usually pay for their own accommodations and travel. And if they're younger singers early in their career, they may work for companies that don't give per diem when uh, when you're traveling on a gig, but they might be able to give you housing during that time period. 
And uh, this is nice because oftentimes those companies aren't paying quite as much. So it would really be a, a total loss. It would cost people to go do gigs instead of making any money off of them if those companies couldn't provide housing. And, and that's why they've developed that strategy. Before we dive into what singers make, I want to quickly talk about the costs of training to become an opera singer. Most singers end up going to college or conservatory. And depending on where you go, that can range from 10000 to $60,000 in tuition a year. And then you have to get a master's degree or artist diploma, which can cost, well, we'll say between thirty and fifty. So right off the bat, we've already accumulated between seventy and one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt just to be qualified to make make it as an opera singer. Now, yes, there are probably people who can venture into this career without going to the university, but I'll say. As an individual who did not come from a well-off family, um, it's really hard to fund that education. Whereas if you're in the university system, yes, you're taking out loans, but you have access to the education. It's you know can be tricky to find a, a singing teacher depending on where you live, and acting coaches, you know, all of these sorts of things that, that we have to learn as opera singers. And these costs don't magically stop when you're done going to school. We still have to do coachings to learn repertoire for gigs. In an article from Middle Class Artists called Year One, Getting to a Living Wage as an Opera Singer by Zach Finkelston, he breaks down the different types of performance fees that one might make at a variety of companies. At a nationally recognized opera house, he says that the net income will be around $5,000 for main stage and $2,000 a month for chorus. At a nationally recognized symphony, net solos fees could be as much as three to five K per week. At a regional opera house, depending on the quality of the house, those fees can be 500 for an entire run. Or if, if you're lucky and it's an Agma house, you can expect to make about $1,000 a week as soloist. Two more categories here. Regional orchestras, uh, you can make anywhere from $500 to $2,500 a week. And finally, local chamber orchestras or choirs, you can net $2,000 a week from top city choirs as a soloist. Or you can make $200 as a performer if you don't negotiate. And I've worked in a variety of these places myself in different capacities. And, you know, as you notice, he always talks about the net. That really depends on how much your expenses are as a performer. Take, for instance, we'll say it's an opera performance at a regional house. You're gone for four weeks. You will probably spend somewhere around $200 on food, and that's mostly home cooking your meals. Maybe eat out a couple times, $100 on gas. You probably had a couple coachings, so about $240 for three coachings at $80 each. And depending on how much rehearsal time you are, I'd say the average amount of rehearsal time I've experienced in supporting roles is about 70 hours for a four-week uh, rehearsal period. And you're not paid for your prep time. So like whatever your fee is, or you know, you're not specifically paid for your prep time. So the more efficient you are, the more you stand to profit in, in that area. Um, but like we said, if we go back to regional opera house, so we said that you can expect to make between 
500 for an entire run or a thousand a week. Let's put it somewhere in the middle and let's say you're making about 450 or 500 a week. So that's a total of $1,800 for the entire month. If you account for common expenses, okay, so like I said, the food, the gas, and the coachings, you're going to come out making a net of around 1000 to 1200 And like I said, that's not accounting for your prep time, because if you count for your prep time, you make around a $60 profit. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a not glamorous, that profit level of $60. But anyways, I really love that this information is available to people because this is how we negotiate for better pay in our field. And what's laid out here is mostly true for, for the average artist. You know, like I said, not many artists are, are making those big old bucks like uh, Maria Callas and uh, Renee Fleming, someone like that is or was. As we've discussed in earlier podcasts, opera companies are divided into different budget sizes. Companies like the Met, Chicago Lyric, San Francisco, and LA Opera are what we consider a budget one company. Their budget is more than $25 million a year, whereas a level five company has a budget of less than $200,000 a year. And that means that they're able to offer different levels of pay. Mike and I have talked, we've both worked at Seattle Opera as choristers in, I think I've been in about 10 productions. We make uh, what I would consider a living wage there, just barely, but we, as choristers, we do make a living wage uh, part-time. It's not a full-time job for actually any of the choristers at Seattle Opera. I hope one day it will be, um, because I think that everybody who's in the chorus is, is great, and they deserve that stability and, and shouldn't have to have a day job. The choristers are able to make a living wage, and because of the union, uh, AGMA, Anybody who's on stage is generally a main stager is also going to make a living wage because of uh, wage standards that are set by our contracts. Now, when you get into working with any company that's really below a level three, level three or belower, um, you're pretty unlikely to get performance fees that are reaching that level of a living wage industry standard. And sometimes that's okay because they'll they'll offer to provide housing they'll give you stat travel stipends and uh in some cases they'll even limit your rehearsal schedule to to make sure that you can work whatever sort of remote job or other income source that you can during that time period and as a emerging professional i've worked with mostly this group of companies. I've worked at some level three companies and some level four companies. Um, and when I was a young artist, I was at a level two company. So I've kind of seen the gamut of what, you know, how companies are, are compensating singers. And um, like I said, if it's below level three, it's oftentimes challenging for us singers to make ends meet, honestly, on performing alone. During the pandemic, because all performances stopped, Many singers pivoted uh, completely away from opera singing because they weren't making any money off of it or kind of played into any sort of income they could do in the meantime or remotely. I started doing more music teaching and uh, fortunately I run my own studio and I'm able to set my own rates. So I am happy to say that I have a fairly full studio and um, am making a living wage as a music teacher. 
And that doesn't mean that I've left opera. I'm uh, just a lot choosier about the gigs that I take now because I can be. And it's a nice place to be to have that willpower to say no. (laughs) Even if you really would love to do a project, if it's not going to, if it's going to cost you more money then you're getting paid. It's not always worth it to do that gig because as much as people say, oh, exposure, exposure doesn't pay the bills. Gotta pay the bills at the end of the day. So oftentimes when I've traveled for gigs with these companies, I've had host housing, generous patrons who open their homes to us. It's so kind of them to do such a thing. Uh, it's not always ideal when you're traveling and you can't really afford to book a hotel or even an Airbnb. That is your option, which also means that we're not uh, experiencing a whole bunch of glamorous food because we're not really making enough money to be able to eat out very often. Maybe once a week if I'm really pushing it, but most of the time I go to the grocery store and get all my little goodies and make my homemade meals if I have uh, a kitchen to do so, which uh, most of the time I do, which is nice. It's nice to have a kitchen. Otherwise, uh, eating out of the microwave is kind of limits your, your types of meals. Lots of salads, for sure. Something that uh, I'd like to talk about specifically is the impact the, the pandemic has had on, um, on artist compensation. Um, and, you know, as you can imagine and understand that a lot of arts organizations didn't get as many donations during the pandemic. And... That really hurts all of us. All of the artists are working for either the same pay or less pay than before the pandemic. And uh, our cost of living, as everybody knows, inflation has caused everything to go up. It's really important for us as artists to be able to now have a little bit more flexibility and have those remote jobs where we can have that extra income. And a lot of artists today don't have agents. Another part of our industry that took a big hit, a lot of agencies closed their doors or agents pivoted to another form of work because for two years there there was nothing. And um, when your outlook is so bleak, I mean, there there was no chance for them to continue to hold on to the career that they had because there was nothing on the books and there was nothing gonna be on the books for at least two years. Now that we're back and together making music again, for the artists who don't have that artist, have agent representation, they're booking all their own travel, they're negotiating all their own contracts, reaching out to companies about auditions. And I know that seems like, oh, that's not that much. But when you think about the number of times that you have to do it and I don't know if any of you have negotiated a contract, but it's not fun for more money. And then people saying, oh, yeah, we can offer you, you know, this much more. And it's still half the amount that you really should be paid. I I have a couple of friends who are singing at a very consistent level were before the pandemic. You know, I'm not sure how if they're fully booked now as we start reaching the end of this. But before the pandemic, you were fully booked. We're talking nine, ten months of work is considered full-time work when it comes to opera. There really are very few opera houses that are open 12 months of the year. Most opera houses are closed for usually two months. They might be back-to-back. They might be split up. Someone who's working at B and A level houses, not even just in the United States, but around the world, was barely clearing 
60K prior to the pandemic. They were making more than that. But when you take all the expenses that we pay as artists, especially if you're in America and you're having to cover your own health care um, as an individual, that's quite expensive. If you're single, that's not terribly hard to live off of. But if you have a whole family, that's, you know, not a not a whole lot of money to support a whole family. One of one of these singers had moved to Germany and was working in Europe and uh, was able to live at a much higher standard of living because of the kind of social safety nets that are available in in most of Europe. And the level of pay is better. Uh, I was looking up doing some research about specifically what the average or what's the median income for an opera singer in America compared to Europe. For America, it's between 40 and uh, 60K. And in Europe, it is closer to 70K. So they're really surpassing us in what what they're able to pay their artists. And, And some of that has to do with the amount of government support that the arts get in most of Europe. In Germany, uh, I think it's 60% of the budget of any opera house in Europe is government, and then the rest is made up by tickets. And in Italy, I think it's 40% is government support. And in America, uh, you're looking at, I think it was closer to like 30% of the budget is coming from the government in the form of uh, grants and stuff, because we're we're normal everyday people, you know. (laughs) We do an interesting job. We dress up as different people and are are telling stories on stage, but we uh, lead normal lives like the rest of of the population. I uh, don't have a apartment in Milan or uh, or London. I just have my <laughs> my rental house in in Washington State and have a car that maybe still runs as I've been on this gig in Oregon. Some rodents got into my car and chewed on the electrical, so I'm not sure if my car is is dead or not, which I guess I should talk about that because that's something too about, you know, being a traveling artist. So uh, this was the first gig that I could drive to. A lot of my other gigs have been across the country, so I've flown and I haven't had a car while I'm traveling. Which is usually okay. I usually am close enough that I can um, walk to wherever we're rehearsing. Or sometimes uh, one of my gigs, we were provided a car by by the patrons. They had an extra car that they let the singers use that were staying with them. Um, But this time I was was able to take my car and I was like, great. This is nice to have this little bit of freedom um, to not have to work around the public transit system. And <laughs> it was nice for the week that it was running. And then, like I said, rodents got in it and and chewed up stuff. And now I have to tow my car back to Washington State because all of the the mechanic shops here are booked out past the time that until after our show ends. That's not a pretty sticker, price sticker to look at. Yeah, let me know what if there's any you know singers out there and want to share their their stories. You want to share it anonymously. More than happy to. Our our email is uh, operaunboundpodcast at gmail dot com. This is one of those things that I want I want uh, the the people to understand that we're not making a million bucks doing this. And uh, I mean, usually we're we're paycheck to paycheck, just like every just like more than sixty percent of Americans, and we love what we do. 
and means we usually sacrifice a lot for it. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts and requests, so leave us a comment below. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. You can help support the creation of this and much more content for as little as $3 a month. Like and subscribe to our channel and also follow us on Instagram at opera unbound to stay updated. Ciao.